morning we are talking about apply the word. Last week was read the word, and that's great, but now we're taking it a step further. This is kind of um, the, 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 the next step in the evolution of it is written, is now that we've read the word, we want to apply the word. And an application um, is putting something into operation. Um, application is putting something into operation. It's, um, it's, it's implementing the information that you have. So you have information, right? And you implement it, um, and, and you, you, you use it. It's, it's not just having knowledge. It's, it's utilizing knowledge. Um, and so we're going to look at what Bible application is in just a moment. We're going to turn to James chapter two. You can make your way there. Um, but I want to show you steps to apply the word really quickly. Just, just some, and by the way, this is going to be very, very practical this morning. It's more of a teaching than a preaching probably so far. Um, and, uh, we're going to get back to the, the preaching, uh, next month. Uh, we're going to really get after it, but, but I really feel it's important that we as a, as a, as a, as a body, as a family, uh, a church family understand how to apply the word to our lives. And so, um, I just want to show you some steps here. This, these are the steps in order to integrate and to apply the word of God. First, you've got to listen, Right. You've got to listen first. I mean, if, if you don't even hear the instructions, how can you possibly follow them? Right? So we have to listen. Then we have to accept what we've heard. See, so many people may have heard the word, and, and many of you for so many years in your life, maybe you, you grew up in church and you've heard it all. I mean, I was like that. I, I mean, I can, I, I can pretty much tell you a sermon I've heard on any topic that you can think of in Christendom. I mean, grew up in church. My parents taught me as well themselves outside of church. And so, but listening is not enough. You've got to actually accept and say, okay, I agree with what I'm hearing. All right, does that make sense? So you don't just listen to it, you accept it as well. But even then, that's not enough. You still haven't applied the word because it's still up here. It's still in your mind. You've heard it, you've engaged your ears, and you've accepted it. You've agreed, okay, I agree with that. That is the truth. And you've, you've accepted it, but now it's time to involve the rest of you. And that's when you respond. You respond to the word. So in order to apply the word, we listen, we accept, and we respond. Now, some of, some of us are more than willing to respond to what God's saying, but we're just not listening. We're listening to everything else, Right? And we're letting all the other uh, information and all the other uh, uh, sounds and noise and, and, and stuff out there that's trying to vie for our attention. We're letting it speak to us instead of, of what the word sings. So we've got to listen. We've got to accept it. And then we've got to respond. There is a Hebrew word um, that's used in the Old Testament. It's called Shema. Shema, and it's a prayer now. You may have heard of the Shema prayer, but, but it means to hear by doing. Shema means to hear by doing. Now, you need to get this. In the Jewish culture, the idea of hearing something 
and not doing anything about it was really bizarre. As a matter of fact, you know, so for instance, like I'll just make fun of my kids because I can. Uh, You know, we'll say, we'll say, hey, you know, we need you to clean your room. Do you hear me? They go, yeah, I heard you. But then they don't do it. In the Jewish mindset, they didn't hear me. Do, Do you get it? They didn't hear me. See, we, we Westerners, we're just like, oh, I heard you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Why? Because we're so independent. We're like, I'll listen to you. Uh, I'll listen to you, but I'm not going to, I don't have to agree, right? That's, that's, we, we, that's very important to us. Well, we'll give you a chance to talk, <laughs> but, but don't expect us to agree with you. But, but in, in, in this Jewish culture, in, in this Eastern culture, though, the idea of hearing had everything to, to do with doing as well. This word is used, if you, uh, it's Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. When it says, Hear, O Israel, it's this word, Shema. And it's not saying, it's not saying hey, just, hey, hey uh, turn off, the, pause the DVR, turn off the TV for a second, pause your video game. Uh, God's talking. No, it's not saying hear like that. It's saying hear with the assumption that you will do something after you hear this. All right? So, so this is the biblical concept of listening is that it involves not just your ears, it involves your mind and then eventually your entire being. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, I'm reading the New Living Translation, and, and so uh, I encourage you to follow along if you'd like. It says, what good is it, by the way, I'm always on you guys about this. You need to know who it's written to, why it's written. Some of the books of the Bible um, are named after the author. Some of the books of the Bible are named after who it's written to, okay? In this case, this is named after the author. James, um, scholars are, are pretty sure that this James is the James is the half-brother of Jesus, right? Same mama, different daddies, right? And, and so, which is interesting because James was not a follower of Jesus uh, when Jesus was doing his earthly ministry. As a matter of fact, at one point, all the brothers come to Jesus and they're like, dude, you're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing us. And James was in that group. And then later on, by the time the, 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 uh, Jesus has died and risen again, we see James not only as a follower of his brother Jesus, but he's actually the pastor of the church of Christians in Jerusalem. And so James, even though it's towards the end of your Bible, James is probably uh, the, the earliest written book of the New Testament, chronologically, as far as when it was actually written down. Okay, which blows my mind because I've got an older brother and I'm thinking, what would he have to do to convince me that he's God? (laughs) It'd have to be a lot. (laughs) And so it's just really cool that James, the brother of Jesus said, no, my brother, yeah, he is God. I mean, that's like, wow, you know. That's pretty amazing. Okay, let's get to the scripture. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. 
but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does it do? Now, that's, that's, that's an interesting analogy. Could, could you imagine, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really, really cold. Uh, we're having a cold snap here in Thomasville for some reason. And you see a person uh, that, that, you've, that you, know, you haven't seen in a while. You're, you're walking down downtown Thomasville. You see them, oh, hey, what's up? How you doing? They're like, I've fallen on hard times. They're wearing like a tank top. And, you know, they're doing this. And, and you're talking to them. They go, all right, well, it's good to see you, man. Hey, stay warm. <laughs> Instead of just say, saying, hey, stay warm, why don't you give them something to wear? Right, Because that's actually the way to say stay warm. Not just saying stay warm. Do you follow? Okay. Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, don't think of good deeds. And and, and the New King James says works. And and, and the translators kind of struggle with how to translate this word. The, The... the way I would prefer that this would be translated would say corresponding action. Faith that's not accompanied by corresponding action is dead. It's in vain. It's pointless. It's pointless to say you believe something if you're not willing to back it up by what you do. Right? We know this. We have phrases like talk is cheap. Right? Or, 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 or uh, you know, actions speak louder than words, right? We know because this is true. This is what he's just, he's saying the same thing. He's just saying it in their way. Verse 19, actually verse 18. Now, some people may argue, now, now someone may argue, some people have faith, but others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. If you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. He's, he's being, this needs to be in the sarcastic font here, okay? All right. If you say you have faith, that you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this. <laughs> and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now skip down to verse 26 and he summarizes all of this. He says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So, so that's, this is just, just letting you know kind of where we're going real quick before we get into the super practical part of it. Is like, look, it's great that you're here. It's great if, if you were filling out a, a survey and you were to check the Christian box instead of the Buddhist box, okay? Like, that's great. I, that's, that's wonderful. But that doesn't demonstrate your faith in Jesus. It's just words. And you know this because you know people who talk a good Jesus game but don't act like it at all. And it's frustrating. And guys, it's hurt the church. It's hurt our witness. I can't tell you how some people respond to me when they find out I'm a pastor, besides the fact that I don't really look like one. Um, The plaid pastor is what someone calls me here. I just, I like plaid. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, just whatever. But, but um, my dad calls himself the pastor of disaster. I like that one even better. Um, but but it, when, when people find out that I'm a pastor, you guys, it's, it's really kind of funny. Uh, they, 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 they just, they're like, hmm. 
They just get kind of weird, and they change their language, and, oh, we'll, we'll have a blessed day, brother. I'm like, you weren't talking like that before you found out I was a pastor. Now you're just trying to be all religious, <laughs> you know? It's funny, and some people, unfortunately, uh, they don't want anything to do with me. <laughs> because, because they're like, oh, well, you're one of them. Look, this, this hearing without doing has really hurt the church. Don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of it. Now, this doesn't mean that we're perfect. Come on. This doesn't mean that we have it all together, right? This just means that we're failing forward. This just means that we're moving in the right direction, right? It just, it just means that we're moving in the right direction and that we have forward momentum, however slow and however messy it gets, because it gets messy sometimes in our spiritual growth, right? Right? So, okay, I'm going to start. Okay. I said this was going to be a teaching, so... I want to go through five ways to apply the word of God. This is going to be super practical. I, I encourage you, take notes, take pictures of the, of the screen, whatever you need to do to remember this. And then you can begin to practice this. We'll be going over, over scripture. So five ways to apply the word. Not just hear it. Not just listen. Not just even accept it, but to actually do it. Here's the first one. is to practice doing what it says. Practice doing what it says. I'm going to show you a really, really funny and weird verse in the Bible, okay? This is the kind of stuff that trips me out. I love this. Um, and, and you usually don't hear about this. In uh, Most people aren't going to preach on this, but I, I love it. People get so weird and religious when it comes to God sometimes. When it's just easy. Listen to him, accept it, and do what he says, Right? And so Jesus is teaching, okay? Uh, he's actually talking about um, demonology. He's talking about how to deal with unclean spirits, okay? And this woman all of a sudden interrupts him, verse 27 of Luke 11, and says, As he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breasts that nursed you. Okay, weirdo. Talking about my mama and mentioning chess and stuff. Don't bless her chest, man. Come on, this is weird. I mean, you know, this is just odd, right? Talking about her reproductive system, her womb. Leave my mom out of this. Verse 28, Jesus replied, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. See, this lady... And maybe she had good intentions. He was talking about demons. Maybe she was speaking on their behalf, trying to distract. But, but this lady was getting all religious about, you know, you're so wonderful. She was looking to the man instead of God. She, she was looking to the fleshly aspect. Your mom is so, oh, your mom is so great, Jesus. She's so wonderful. And look, look there are Christians that do this today, right? And she's just so wonderful, Jesus. She is so blessed. He's like, look, (laughs) mom's great. But if you want to be blessed, just do what I say. Just, Just practice. I love how it says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Not just proclaim how great my mom is, but actually do what he says. And practice it. Now, practice Practice is interesting. 
practice denotes repetition, right? You know, uh, people who are professional athletes, they go to practice still. Now, a professional football player, basketball player, whatever, they've been playing football and basketball for a while. A professional baseball player has probably been playing baseball his entire life. Why does he need to go back out when there's not a game and practice? Because we tend to lose ability over time. And so we've got to continue to practice because we're not perfect. Y'all heard the the phrase practice makes perfect, right? Yeah, because you were actually actually creating in your brain through repetition uh, like these neural transmitters that make it easier for you to do. Okay, how many of you play an instrument? How many of you play piano? Who plays piano? Okay, all right, and you have to practice to play piano, right? When you first started, you did it slow, and you're looking at the music, and you, you, know, you had to do it over and over and over and over. And scientists have actually figured out that the more you practice, there's literally in your brain, there are these pathways that are carved out to make it easier to get from point A to point B, playing the song on the piano, as you practice. Isn't that cool? Okay? And they actually say, if you want to get good at something, do it the last thing before you go to bed. Because your brain is giving attention to that item, and while you sleep, it's going to continue to work on it. Okay? Isn't that cool? That's why it's a really good idea to talk to God before you go to bed. Because your brain's going to be like, oh, yeah, talk to God. I'll do that tomorrow, too. And it starts working. Okay, I'm way off my notes. But so... (laughs) We've got to practice doing what it says. Okay, Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. This is... Some parts of the Bible are a little unclear and a little... You're not really sure what they mean. This one's a little harsh. <laughs> Hebrews 5. We're going to read 11 through 14. It says this. There's much more we would like to say about this. He's, he's actually... Um, he's talking about how Jesus is greater than high priests... Uh, in the in the old covenant and the way that they used to forgive sin. And actually, all of Hebrews up to this point is defense of how great Jesus is. And he's comparing him to angels, the prophets, uh, to high priests. And he's saying Jesus is, is great over all of these, okay? And then he stops, and, and this is where we're about to read. He goes, there's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. <gasps> oh, well, goodness, tell me what you really think, buddy. Now remember, this is written by a Jewish person who's converted to Christianity to Jewish people, Hebrews is the name of the book, okay, who were converting to Christianity. So it says, especially uh, since uh, you don't seem to listen. Now he's, he's writing in another language, but he's keying in on that word Shema that we talked about. Since you're not hearing and obeying, you're just hearing. He's getting on to him, okay? You've, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach to, uh, teach to you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right. Solid food is for those who are mature, get this, get this, who through training or practice have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. See, practice, practice. Guys, when you get saved, your spirit being, your spirit man is remade into the image of God, but you still got to practice it and get it out. Okay? You you still got to practice doing what the word of God says. And we know this. This is all of life is about maintenance. 
on our shampoo bottles, it says, wash, rinse, repeat. All right, the rest of you don't wash your hair. That's cool. Um, But it says, wash, rinse, and repeat. Now, you know, my kids have tried this, not now, but when they were younger. Like, you need to wash your hair. I already washed my hair. When? Two weeks ago. Okay, that doesn't work, right? That was good for that day, but it wasn't sufficient for this day. And, and so we, we inherently know you can't just do something once and it covers you, right? You can't, you can't just work out once. <laughs> you can't just go to the gym once and uh, pump an iron, uh, you know, and doing all these, these things. And then like, well, I worked out now. Check. Jim, I'll see you again in three years. Can't do that, right? You can't, you can't. Well, I'll work out yesterday, but it had been six months before then, and it's probably gonna be six months before you do again. You don't work out, you worked out once, right? And, and so we know this. We know this. We're like, well, why didn't that work? Why am I not strong and in shape? Because you're not practicing. You're not practicing that lifestyle, right? It's the same thing with our walk with Christ, you guys. I read this funny article. There's a, um, there's a satire um, uh, website called the Babylon Bee. Have y'all, has anyone seen this? It is so funny. Uh, it's, it's painful, too, because it makes fun. It's Christians, but they're making fun of our, our Christian culture. And, and I saw this article where it said, Parents who attend church once a quarter are so shocked that their daughter didn't keep her once a quarter faith when she went to college. That was the headline. And then it talks about, we made time for church, you know, when she wasn't in soccer and when she didn't have all this kind of stuff. And we're just so surprised that she didn't keep her once a quarter faith. Wow. I mean, we've got to practice these things. We've got to make them a regular part of our life. So in order to apply the word, we've got to practice doing what it says. Amen? Here's, here's another way to apply the word is to meditate on it. Ooh, Meditation. That's kind of weird. I was actually reading a, a, a study uh, on evangelical Christians doing different sp- uh, spiritual disciplines of the faith. And uh, only 2% of evangelicals, which we would consider ourselves even though we're a non-denominational church, uh, only 2% of them practice meditation. Now, when we think of meditation, we usually think of someone sitting cross-legged and hum, right? That's what you think of, right? Okay. So there is a Christian meditation, Okay, now Eastern meditation and the kind that everyone's like, yeah, no. Okay, that's the that's the idea where you are emptying yourself, right? So 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 uh, Eastern meditation is the concept of emptying yourself and becoming one with nothingness and and that kind of stuff, right? And that's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation um, is is filling your thoughts about Jesus. It's meditating on Him, not on nothing. The problem with meditating on nothing is you're now susceptible to everything. But if you meditate on Jesus, you inundate yourself, you fill yourself with him. That's Christian meditation. But the idea of being still and getting alone and using music and, and, and using whatever you know, sensory stuff you need to to meditate on, that's, that's great. That's a very godly thing. Joshua 1.8 is um, instructions to... Uh, the Jews about about this kind of meditation and about uh, dealing with the Word of God. And it says, 
It says, this book of the law, uh, it says, study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate. There you go. Meditate, meditate, meditate. Not emptying yourself, filling yourself. Meditate day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. How many of you want to prosper and succeed in all you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? We know how. All the victory, all the success, all the prospering that you need is found in the word of God, right? And so, so we need to meditate on it. We need to fill ourselves with it. We need to inundate ourselves with it, okay? Because only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Romans 12, 2, back in the New Testament, uh, we're talking, uh, Paul's talking about how to avoid falling into the trap of, of, of being in the world. He says, do not be conformed to this world. New Living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the wor- world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, God will transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that's what meditation is. It's training your thinking to be set on Jesus. And so this Christian meditation is a good meditation. And even the 2% of evangelicals say they did. They probably did it more than they realized. They just didn't want to be associated with meditation. Um, but, but guys, there needs to be a time when you get alone, you get quiet, and you just focus on Jesus. And what's going to happen, especially if you haven't been doing this ever or much, is you're going to go for about five seconds before you start thinking about work. Or your kid. Or your spouse. Or what's coming out on Netflix next week. It's going to take about five seconds. And then you're going to have to train. You can bring it back into alignment. And, and, and train it to stay focused on Jesus. Use your imagination. I like to visualize Jesus in all different, in all different um, situations in the Bible. He's talking to the woman at the well. Sometimes I'll see him during the crucifixion. Sometimes I'll see him with his disciples. Sometimes I'll see him seated, seated at the right hand of God, which is where he is now. And so, you know, but I encourage you to meditate, to use your, your thought life, not to empty yourself. We're not talking about that, but to fill yourself with Jesus. Amen? Here's another good one. Memorize it. Here's how to apply the word. Memorize it. Psalm 119. That sounds vaguely familiar. Maybe, about, maybe something you're going to read soon. Psalm 119. <laughs> 9 through 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? Or New Living Translation says, be pure, stay pure. It says, by taking heed or obeying your word. With my whole heart, I have, I have sought you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Are you struggling with something? Of course you are. We all are. Find a promise of God in the word about that particular struggle. If you need help, email me. I'll help you. And, and then begin to memorize that scripture and hide it in your heart. Okay? It's like tucking it in your pocket. And, and so you've got that scripture ready so whenever it's time, you know, it's reckoning time, and, and uh, you know, you, you, you need to, to fight that sin. You need to fight that, that tendency you have. You just pull the scripture out. But you can't do that unless you memorize it. 
Because you may be driving down the road and all of a sudden, you know, you struggle with, with, uh, uh, with, with feeling less than and feeling like you don't matter and stuff like that. And, and all of a sudden you're driving down the road. Well, it's not, you can't fumble around and get your phone app out and, you know, you're going to wreck. Or, or just, you, if, but if you got it memorized, the Holy Spirit can pull it up out and, and it can begin to minister to you. Does that make sense? All right, James 1.21 it talks about, it says, receive the implanted word of God, is how the New King James puts it. It says the planted word of God. Um, a, another version says the engrafted word of God. Uh, and yet another one says the ingested, which is kind of great, uh, ingested. But it's the idea, you ingest something, you know, you, you take food, you smear it on your face, you didn't ingest it, right? <laughs> I don't recommend that, by the way. That's not an official recommendation of how to eat food. But you, you get the word in you by memorizing it. It's in you. And you receive the implanted word, which James says is able to save your souls. you got to memorize it. One of, the, one of the things I'm so thankful to my parents, too, is that they, they my brother and I, we, we memorized scripture as kids. And uh, they weren't too weird about it. Um, but they made sure that we, we knew it. We've done that with our children. We've, they've memorized around a dozen or, or so, two dozen, I don't know how many, verses. And uh, they're like, I, I, don't, don't, I don't know any of those. Don't, and that's what they're saying to me. Uh, but they've memorized Scripture uh, so, that, so that when they don't have the Word, so that the Holy Spirit has ammunition to use. Okay? So memorize it. Memorize it. Here's the next one. Declare it. Here's a way to apply the word of God is you declare it. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love to talk will eat its fruit. Okay? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay, that's like super important. If I told you this is a life or death situation, you'd be like, okay, I'm listening. So that's what he's saying. This is a life and death situation, how you talk. Life and death. Okay? And so, uh, so if it's important what you say, it's life and death, what you say, then wouldn't it make sense to make sure that you're saying what God has said? And you declare that. Psalm 91 2 uh, is, is a psalm of protection. We got this one memorized as well. But I love this. It says, the New King James says, I will say of the Lord. But the, the New Living says, I will, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He's my God and I trust him. Now, it didn't say this I'll read. It says this I say, this I declare, right? And so, look, and there's been some abuses of this in the body of Christ. There's been some, you know, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. Confess it and possess it, right? There's, there's, <laughs> people have taken this beyond its intended. You know, we, we do need to declare that. And don't stop declaring the word because people have done it wrong, right? The enemy only, uh, only hijacks those things that are good. So you confess the word. You speak the word. You declare the word of your situation. You talk out loud. I talk out loud all the time. I, I speak to situations in my life. I, I speak the word out loud, and I declare it. Why? I'm applying the word, not just hearing it. I'm applying it to my specific situation by declaring it. Amen? And besides, have you ever noticed Jesus spoke the will of God? 
Have you ever seen Jesus heal someone? Have you ever, just think back to all the times Jesus healed someone or did something. You know, all of Jesus' prayer was before ministry. He would go off and pray. He would go spend time with the Father by himself. But then when it was time to conduct the ministry of God on earth in a specific situation, do you know what he always did? He spoke. Go back and read when Jesus, uh, heals, when Jesus heals people, and he never says, all right, let's just pray right now. Father, we just ask you to heal this situation. He doesn't do that. He says, in Jesus' name, be healed. He speaks to the hand. He speaks to the blind eyes. He speaks to the deaf ears. He doesn't pray. He declares. So you're a Christ follower, right? You're a Christian. It literally means little Christ. So what should you do? What Jesus did. You declare it, amen? All right, and lastly, pray it. Here's how you apply the word. You pray it. You pray the word. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Okay? So, how many of you know God answers prayers? He does. How many of you know that God doesn't always give you what you want? Okay, why? Because the two don't always coincide. What you want is not always what he wants. So he's not going to answer a prayer that's contrary to his will. So that creates a kind of conundrum for us because we're like, oh, okay, well then how do I pray? I'm not exactly sure what to pray, God, because I'm not totally sure about your will. Well, we know the will of God because the will of God is the word of God. So pray the word of God and you'll never have to worry about if it's his will. Doesn't that make sense? So just pray, I mean, literally pray the word. I've actually out loud inserted my name into certain scriptures and and prayed it back to God because you can be confident when you pray his word that you're praying his will. You don't even have to say, imagine this, if it be thy will. You don't even have to say that because you can be confident that it is his will because it's in his word and his word is his will. Okay, so look, pray the word. That's how we apply the word. Listen to it, that's great. Hear it, that's wonderful. But then do something with it so that it is applied to your life. Amen? Amen. Guys, are you applying the word of God? I mean, if I'm being honest, only partially, right? I mean, we all are on a, on a journey, in our walk with God. So this isn't to heap condemnation on you, but it's to encourage you and say, look, apply the word of God. You hear it? Great. That's awesome. That's the first step. Do you accept it? That's the next step. That's wonderful. But then, but then do you respond and do you apply it? I think the difference between a dead, lifeless church that's impotent on the earth and an alive vibrant, passionate church that's doing the work of the kingdom, I think applying the word is the difference. I think it's the difference. I think it's what takes the church from, well, we should do this, shoulda, coulda, to we are doing this and we are bringing heaven to earth and we are doing what we see Jesus do. I think you've got to apply the word. And, and it's time for us to make that commitment. 
and to say, I'm going to, to the best of my ability, empowered by your grace, I'm going to apply the word of God to my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray.